Good evening all, and welcome. As Halloween draws near, it's time to delve into the darker side. We're going to be looking at cult encounters. I hope you're ready, because it's time to get comfortable and let the darkness take control. I have always been very much into hiking, and a number of years ago, something happened that made me change my stance on this. It was out back in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Me and a few of my buddies were supposed to go out for a long walk and camp that would probably take us about four days. We were all buzzed to do this and made sure to bring the necessary supplies. However, at the very last minute, three out of the four bailed, so it was just me. I'd already asked for the time off work, and was beyond pissed with my so-called friends. But, seeing as I'd got the green light from the wife and the office, I thought screw it, and I'd go ahead and do it anyway. So, I went off on my own. I parked up at the bottom of the trail and went into the wilderness alone. I was carrying loads of beers, and knew that this was going to be a hell of a good time, even if it was just for me. I brought along a book, as well as my regular camping supplies, and was determined to make the most of this. The first two days in were great. Nothing eventful happened, which is exactly what I wanted. I was having an absolute blast. However, it was on the third day, just as the sun was starting to set, that the creeps began. Now, there was a small hill which I was eyeing up for a while. There seemed to be a slight clearing towards the top, which is exactly where I thought I'd like to be. However, I made a note to camp on one of the sides, so that on the off chance anyone spotted me, they hopefully wouldn't see me, as I wouldn't be that close to the middle. I went up, and it wasn't anywhere near as big as I had intended. So I looked around, and found a slightly better clearing a bit further down the hill. This one was small and compact, and would do well for me in my situation. So I built my tent, had a beer, and started making some dinner while gently unwinding and reading my book. It must have been about an hour later. I knew I should go to sleep, but my book was getting way too interesting and I couldn't put it down. And with no one else around me, and with my trip coming towards its end, I wasn't really in a rush. And if I had to wake up later tomorrow, then that's what I would do. The moon was out, illuminating the wilderness and I only had to use a small torchlight in order to read my book comfortably. That's when I hear something. Large movements in the underbrush. And something along with it. Chanting. I pause, turn off my light, and tune in my ears. There's definitely talking. Chanting. Wailing. I was starting to get very freaked out at this point. What the hell is going on in these woods? 
bear in mind that I have walked for two days in the Australian outback. I am quite literally in the middle of nowhere, and am probably as isolated as I've ever been in my entire life, or so I thought. I listen attentively, looking around to see if by the light of the moon I can see something. I look up towards the moon, and it's then that I notice that it's a full moon. I'm not sure if this has anything to do with what happened, but it was a full moon. I listen, and they are definitely drawing closer. I look, and they are seemingly going up towards the hill. At this point, I give myself a mental pat on the back for not camping up there, as they would have clearly come across me. Just as the noise is reaching a crescendo, Do I hear something I rather would have missed? Look down there, a tent. The chanting seemed to come to a complete halt, as someone had spotted my tent a little further down the hill. At this point, I'm about bricking it. I knew that if they found me, well, I wasn't sure what would happen. All that I know is that I didn't want to be found. I sit there in silence, pretending I'm not there, hiding in my sleeping bag for added protection. Just like when I was eight years old, perhaps if I covered my eyes they wouldn't find me, I thought to myself. That's when I heard movement. They were coming down to investigate. The whole group had seemingly stopped. I ducked down, quickly, quietly. One of the guys came down to my tent, got the zipper, and started fiddling with it. It was just down enough, and dark enough, mind you, that I don't think anyone else could see into my tent. The guy pulled the zipper down, and he looked inside. He was wearing dark robes, which for this climate, I certainly wouldn't advise. He looked inside, stared at me dead in the eye and whispered, You aren't here. He then closed the tent and shouted up to his brethren, There's no one here. Let's carry on. He made his way up to the hill and the chanting continued. I didn't leave my tent. I didn't fall asleep. I didn't even move until the sun had come up. When it did, I quietly packed everything away and fled. I don't know who they were or what they were doing, but I have not been back since and have no intention of running into that creepy cult again. Once I was invited to a supposed Christian youth meeting by my cousin. I didn't really want to go, but she insisted so I ended up there. It was held in a small apartment, and when we arrived we were greeted by the group leaders, which seemed to be totally normal young people. Afterwards, the other members arrived, and they turned off all the lights at the apartment. I thought that was a little weird, but no big deal. Then they started with the music, 
They put those Christian rock songs they usually use at normal Christian youth groups, but started dancing like maniacs, jumping everywhere and flailing their arms, and the weirdest of all, laughing uncontrollably. Then in one second, they all threw themselves to the ground, got on their knees and started crying like their mothers had just been brutally murdered. After this, they got up and began dancing and laughing again, as if nothing had ever happened. I was seriously creeped out at this point, but this was only the beginning. They started with weird rituals where they promised to perform any miracle you wanted or needed, as Christ allowed them to do so. A kid said he wanted to get taller, and so they put their hands over him and started murmuring prayers for a while. They then put him against a wall, and they claimed that he'd grown at least three centimetres. He believed them, like seriously believed them. Later they claimed they could turn water into wine, and grabbed a bottle of water, put their hands on top, and prayed again. The water didn't change at all, but they all drank from it and claimed it tasted like wine, and said they were getting drunk from it while laughing hysterically. Finally, the reunion ended, and they continued being normal, just like they were before, as if nothing happened. I left, and when they tried contacting me again, I ignored them. I was nine years old or so, too young to have a say, and the minister convinced my mother that I was possessed, and she brought me to his house so that he and his wife could cast out the demon. They had me sit in this chair in this tiny room, covered in crosses and incense that made me feel nauseous, and began chanting at me, telling my mother that they were speaking in tongues, and I was getting scared. I begged my mother to let me go home, because they were frightening me, and they kicked her out of the room, telling her that that meant the demon wanted to leave because it was working. They told her not to worry if I started screaming. So at this point, I'm actually terrified. They strapped me to the chair and splashed me with holy water, which was absolutely freezing, and I kind of yelped when they did that, and that was another sign that it was working. This went on for about an hour to hour and a half, and to be honest, I was so scared and upset, I just cried for the last 40 minutes or so. I was so stressed, and the smell of incense was so nauseating, that I eventually vomited, and they took that as a sign that the demon was vanquished, and let me go. It didn't occur to me until I told someone else about it as a teenager, how bizarre and traumatizing that was to a nine-year-old. Looking back, It's kind of funny how crazy they were, but I was just upset that my mother didn't believe me that I wasn't possessed. When an assistant youth minister at my family's fundamentalist church, the Church of Christ Separatist, who had been struggling to have a child with his wife for several years, was finally able to conceive, He was so happy he wrote a song thanking God for his blessing of a daughter-to-be. He played it for us on his guitar in the back of his pickup in the parking lot before service began. 
When the elders of the church heard that he played an instrument on church grounds, they excommunicated him and ordered him to never return to the property on pain of trespassing. This was a denomination which taught specifically that attendance to church within the denomination was mandatory to enter heaven. Essentially, they'd sentenced a good man to hell for the crime of thanking God for his child. I asked my grandfather why they had done that, and he told me that the church forbade instruments because they were not permitted in the Bible. I pointed out that the harp and the lyre were explicitly mentioned in the Second Samuel and Chronicles, and that several of the psalms were specifically comprised for the harp, lyre and trumpet. He replied that there were no instruments in the New Testament, and that the New Testament superseded the Old. So anything not explicitly permitted was disallowed in the church. When I responded that by that logic we should not be permitted to wear pants in church, as the New Testament makes no mention of pants, he flew into a rage and did not speak to me for some time. I stopped attending the church the following Sunday. This isn't a typical definition of a cult, but I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and they were pretty delusional by about age 12 to 13 year old me. It took a few more years to get out due to my father being an elder and someone who had no problem physically forcing his son to go to meetings and out in service, as in door knocking. Sounds like a corny fake scenario, but it took me being tough to fight him off. I was asked to leave the house at 17 while still in grade 12, and so I did. I had a job and I had an older friend to live with as well. That's when I realised that in my opinion, it's a cult. That you could turn on your own son because he didn't believe what you believed. That you would beat your son because he was being bullied at school and couldn't stand door knocking anymore at his own neighbourhood where he encountered classmates either at their homes or as they were riding their bikes down the street on a sunny Saturday morning with me walking my dad in suit and tie with a briefcase full of maniac ravings about living forever. The summer going to my senior year of high school, my friends and I heard about a bonfire rave type party that some kids from a neighbouring school were throwing. My friend Tyler knew the kid orchestrating the event and asked if we could come. They told us the more the merrier. The kids then told Tyler where and when the party was going to be. The party was a bit of a tradition. The seniors of the school had thrown the party at the same location in the middle of the woods near a national forest, in our area for the past few years. It was a sort of big deal. People would bring brews, drugs, and have a bonfire rave type party before senior year started. My group of friends were very excited to be going because we'd heard older kids from our school talk about how much fun it was going to be and that many kids from neighbouring schools would be there too, not just kids from the host school. The only problem was we would have to go in separate groups. I had to work late and Tyler did as well, as did one of our other friends, James. The day came and our big group of friends met up with the hosts of the events, and followed them out there. They said it was pretty easy to find, 
but could see how someone could get lost as there were many two-track turns that they had to go on, and if you missed one, you weren't going to make it to the location. I noted that, and picked Tyler up after work. We waited for James to get out of work, and headed out to the party at around 8pm. It was starting to get dark when we arrived to the main dirt road that we were supposed to take, and we called on one of our friends at the party. He gave us some vague directions as he was drunk and slurring his words. We got the gist of what he was saying and took off. After about 40 minutes of driving in the woods, we decided to call again and asked what we should be looking for. Our friend picked up, but he was too far gone. Luckily, a kid who had his wits about him took the phone and started talking to us. He asked if we were near the river. We had just crossed over it, and I told him that. He said that we were too far if we crossed the river, and should turn around and head back to the beginning, as we probably missed the very first turn in the darkness. We turned around and were heading back, but since I'm bad with directions, we made another wrong turn. But I thought we'd made it, as I saw a bright light up ahead. It looked like a bonfire, but was a lot smaller than I thought it would be. As we approached it, I noticed there was no clearing, as the host mentioned, where we could park our cars. There was also only one visible car, a big truck. I turned my lights off and used my parking lights as a source of visibility, because I was a little creeped out. Tyler and James asked if I was being a pussy, and told me to hurry up as they wanted to party. We got close as I only saw a few people, maybe five or six, and they all looked towards us. I parked the car, turned off the engine, and started to gather my drinks when James said, The hell? They wearing robes? A few of the people stood up, and it did indeed look like they were wearing black hooded robes. I was really worried at this point. It looked like we'd stumbled upon a cult in the middle of one of their meetings. The group of people started moving towards my truck. That's when I bitched out, turned on the car and got the hell out of there. I got my little ranger turned around and was going as fast as I could to get away from the group of people. I thought we were good, but after a little while I saw headlights coming up behind us. I was worried because I didn't know what in the heck was up with the vehicle behind us. Were they friendly? Were they behind us if they were? Whatever it was, I was 100% against stopping and meeting said people. We were at least 40 minutes from the dirt road, and then another 30 from the civilization. We were in the middle of nowhere. The car was gaining on us, when all of a sudden it was black. No lights were behind us anymore. It was odd, and Tyler said, they turned around. For some reason they turned around, Obviously, we weren't being pursued anymore, but I was done in the woods for now, and we ended up making our way out of the forest and back home. The next afternoon, I woke up to several missed calls from our friends, who were at the party. They left messages and several texts, and I told them I would explain everything when we were together again, because the story was so crazy and long texting, and a phone call would take up way too much time. They didn't believe me when I told them what happened. Even after asking Tyler and James, they still wouldn't believe us. 
They thought we were making the whole thing up, but unfortunately we weren't. So somewhere in a forest of Michigan, there's a group of people who meet in the woods at night wearing black robes around a bonfire, doing who knows what. I live near the ghost town of Alvira. Back during World War II, the government claimed eminent domination and booted everyone out, built a munitions-slash-bomb factory, but fast forward to now, a chunk of the land was given back to the community as state game land. A portion of it hosts a federal prison, and a bunch of it sits unused by the government. The same land contains the remains of the town, just foundations and a well at this point, and a bunch of bunkers. These bunkers are concrete igloo-like structures, with a big metal door on one side, once used to store explosives. Now, it's used for teens to get drunk and do drugs. Over time, they've become covered in dirt and plant growth, so you might mistake it for a hill if you don't see the door. There are local rumours that devil worshippers hang out in there, in the game lands, and have strange rituals in the woods in some of the more out-of-the-way bunkers. I never believed these because every town has a place where there are devil-worshipper rumours, but last year my friend claimed that it was true. He said that his parents were hunting one night, and saw a group of people in robes chanting around a fire, and a figure wearing a deer-head mask stood in the centre. He also said that at one time, while he and his dad were hunting, He heard the chanting and singing and saw the smoke. This particular friend is a real straight shooter, and I wouldn't think him the type to make this stuff up. So I'm tempted to believe him. Now, for my own experience. When I was in high school, myself and about five friends were all having an all-nighter at my house in the summer, playing manhunt in the woods, shooting each other with airsoft guns, the usual. At night, we all went out with flashlights in the woods, because of course that's what you have to do. The woods around my house are all the same woods as the game lands, and there are only two properties between mine and the game lands. We saw an orange light through the woods, and I was pretty sure that there wasn't a house there. My friend said that it was the devil worshippers, and began trying to freak us out. I didn't believe in them, and even if I did, I knew that it wasn't that, but I played along to scare everyone. We went on a quest to find the devil worshippers and went towards the light. We left the path and began bushwhacking in the dark, now quite far from the house. We heard my neighbour's dog in the distance barking its head off, probably at us, but then it got really intense and made a horrifying noise no dog should make, and stopped. I've seen the dog since, so it didn't die, and we were a bit taken aback by the noise, so we all stopped and listened. In the dark, from just beyond the reach of our lights, we heard footsteps, bipedal crunching footsteps, not a squirrel in the brush, nor a deer crashing through the bushes, but a clear crunch, 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 crunch of the leaves. At that point, we all decided to head back. My friend and I wanted to keep going, but we didn't want to do it alone, so we conceded. 
We were all sleeping in the guest apartment over the garage, which is in a separate building from the house. It has one of those 70s style accordion doors, halfway up the stairs separating the upstairs area from the hallway and bathroom downstairs. Later that night, well after midnight, when we were all settled in and started to doze off, those of us who were still awake heard something brushing against the door from the other side. It was a flimsy plastic slash linoleum thing, so it was moving as though something bumped into it, and we could hear the noise clearly. I gathered up the courage and said out loud, Does anyone else hear something bumping the door? I get a few shaky yeses from around the room. Is anyone going to get up and check it out? Several nopes, and I sure as hell wasn't going to go do it. It went away after a few minutes, and then we fell asleep. Somehow. So this happened to me about 12 years ago. Back then, it wasn't strange for kids my age to venture outside to the mountains in groups to explore, hunt for lizards, or just stroll on our bikes. We were all living in the same street, right next to a variety of mountains. The neighbourhood was brand new, so much that many houses were still on sale. So there were lots of weird animals on the mountains, big lizards with blue tongues, big bugs, snakes, rabbits. It was super exciting for kids like us to explore this kind of place. I could say that part of my childhood was like living in the Legend of Zelda game. I have a lot of stories about that time, but this is the only one that I recall that we found something disturbing. Everything began pretty much as usual. A bunch of kids on their bikes passing through hills and big fields. We knew how far was too far for us. After all, there were no houses or roads ahead, and once you turn around and barely see any house behind, then you knew you were just too far. But that day, we felt bold, and were many, and wanted to see what was further ahead. So we did. After a while of rolling, we ended up in the middle of nowhere, with no water, starting to feel the infamous Mexican heat. So we decided to go back. After a while, we saw a small house in the distance. Pretty weird, we thought, since we were pretty much in nowhere land, but we still felt relieved. We headed into the house's direction to ask for some water. But the closer we got, the more obvious it got that it wasn't a house, it was a mausoleum. And the place was basically in a small graveyard, dotted with wooden crosses across the dry land. This was an extremely small little cemetery, with no roads leading to it, with only a few tombs, and of course the mausoleum in the heart of it. We got curious, and we also knew we'd never have another chance like this again. Usually, these kind of graveyards are for families of the deceased. If we tried to enter any other one, we would get kicked out. Perhaps the people or family who owned this have all since passed away. Anyway, we start looking at the graves, the names, the dates. They were all pretty old. And after a little while, we go to one particular grave. This one took our breath away. It had a dog skeleton perfectly assembled on the top of the tomb, 
extended as if the dog was hugging the spot. The bones were dry with no blood in sight, except for a black and yellow stain on the bones, next to where there were a lot of black candles, bottled with a lot of liquid, and lots of crazy symbols marked on the tomb. We knew this had to be witchcraft, but we were kids and didn't want to get scared by that sort of stuff. I'm not going to lie, growing out in Mexico makes you tough, and the kind of guy who won't even flinch at the Six Flag Halloween haunted houses in Anaheim. I even laugh from time to time walking by them. So after a while of talking and making fun of the graves, it got dark. It was a bit late, and we began to pack our things to go home. We then headed to our bikes, and heard something like a whisper. Since it was both soft and fast, but definitely there, it was coming from the tomb, the one with the black dog. I first thought one of my friends was trying to scare us. It wasn't weird. Even I've done it before. So I did the most logical thing. I started counting my friends to find out who was missing in the crowd, since it surely had to be that guy, and we knew that they'd be hiding next to the tomb. Or so I thought. I remember I counted all of them. I thought I'd messed up somehow, and I counted again. We're all here, I thought. Maybe it's some junkie trying to sneak up on us. So we all go to see the tomb one last time. There's nothing of interest there, and at that moment it was almost dark, and we were getting scared. That's when one of my friends says, Hey, did you all see that hole on the back of the grave? When we all look at the back of the grave, I bet they all just about crapped themselves as much as I did. There was a huge hole, one big enough to stick your hand right into. And as I looked inside, I went pale. There were bones inside the hole. Not your usual chicken bones, no, big bones. That's when I felt a cold wind coming from inside the hole. We all ran and never went back. A while later, I heard from one of my buddies that the entire area was dug up to make new houses. One afternoon in college, my friend and I decided to use the bathroom before heading to our four-hour class. We'd just finished eating lunch and didn't have time to get back to our room to use our own bathroom, so we had to use one of the public ones. When we first walked in, the bathroom was completely empty. No one in the stalls and no one washing their hands. Being the only two there, I rested my backpack and jacket on the ledge of the window outside the stall to avoid taking it in with me. I then went into the stall with my friend next to me. About a minute later, the door opened to the bathroom, and what sounded like a group of people walked in, but they didn't enter the stalls. I finished up, and then left to wash my hands. I walked out of my stall and there were a group of four young women blocking three of the sinks, all looking remotely the same. They were all wearing black, had the same jacket and similar skirts, and what appeared to be tote bags, all black, and the same bun hairstyle. The only difference were their heights. As I apprehensively approached the sinks, I made eye contact with one of them through the mirror. As I got closer, they all began looking at each other, I didn't want to make a scene or start any trouble, especially with my friends still in the stall, 
so I casually started to wash my hands in the sink. I started to feel my fight or flight kick in, as if my instinct knew something I didn't. I made sure to watch them through the corner of my eye in case they decided to pull anything. To remind you, we were in a university bathroom. This situation was very out of place and I started to notice that two of them began to put their hands in either their pockets and their bag and then withdrew them as if they were holding onto something. I felt them intensely staring at me through the mirror but I avoided looking at them directly. The two with their hands in their pockets and bag looked as though they were about to take whatever they had their hand in out. But just in time, my friend left the stall. They both looked at each other, hesitated for a moment, and then take their hands out their pockets and bag, empty. I turn around to switch places with my friend at the sink, and there's an unnerving silence in the bathroom as my friend and I exchange looks. We notice the other two girls in the group are discreetly holding onto an odd white box of a medium size. One of them handed the box to another and quickly runs out the bathroom, leaving the three of us still with them. While I grabbed my stuff, my friend left me alone with them and they began to turn to me again. But this time I was all set to leave and ran out as someone else came into the bathroom. I have yet to run into them again and would like to keep it this way. Creepy cult girls. My family grew up quasi-religious. By that I mean that my mum would sometimes take me to church, but most Sundays we would just lounge around doing nothing. I think it's safe to say that she was a practicing Christian only when it convenienced her. No offence, mum. If she was feeling down, she might go to church for a bit of a spiritual pick-me-up. But these occasions were too few and far between, and even less so when she'd ask me to come with them. Now, I never had a problem going. And as a teenager, I was asking myself all these questions about life and death. It was one sunny Sunday afternoon where she asked if I wanted to go with her. Being the only three of my siblings remotely interested, I'd said I'd go. I didn't mind sitting at the back, listening, and using this time to think about life, death, and the possibility of an afterlife, as I'm sure many of us had pondered on it at least once in our lives. It was that curiosity that caused this chain of events. I had just joined a new school. And there was a kid in one of my classes that I got along really well with. We were on a school trip, and he offered me some of his candy. I gladly accepted, having a huge sweet tooth, and we got to chatting. Through one reason or another, the topic of religion came up, and he told me that he goes to a group, but that it's mostly just having fun with people our age and talks about religion after. Now, as a teenager with not many friends, this certainly seemed like a cool new way to meet people and to do some fun stuff. After asking him about it, even though we didn't live very near, he said his family were more than willing to pick me up and take me to the meetings as well as drop me off. This was almost too good to be true, 
it was at least 40 minutes out their way, minimum, there and back. Why were they being so nice? I really should have seen this as the first red flag. But, a few weeks later, I gladly went along with them. And you know what? It was pretty fun. We had an activity where we had to make a boat out of raw materials and then try and float it out onto the water. We couldn't make a seaworthy vessel, but that's not the point. I still had a good old time with my friends and some of the new friends I made at this place. They all seemed like regular kids, and I was really getting along well. After that, we went into this hall and started talking about the Bible. Not reading or nothing like I'd seen at my conventional church, it was just reading some select passages, talking about it, and seeing what we understood from the text. Again, as someone who'd only been to one type of church, I found this experience novel and new, and really relished in an opportunity to break down the text and make my own understanding from it. Although, in all honesty, I'm sure there was only one approved understanding and they just wanted me to get me to see it in my own way. That is, however, when things take a slightly darker turn. They reeled me in, and I was having a great time, going every month to their little meetings, as it was quite far, and interacting more and spending time with the younger group. They started pushing me to come more regularly, make the hour drive out to the middle of nowhere to one of their meeting halls, which is something, as a teenager, I really didn't want to do. I just liked the discussion part, and still wasn't sure exactly what I believed. My friend and I were getting closer, and I wasn't sure if this was right for me anymore. But that year, they had a camp of sorts, where you'd go out and camp in the forest, and have what we did pretty much every month happen once a year, but for a whole weekend. It sounded like fun, even though I was feeling tentative, so I went along with them. It was a good time, but the religion was being very pushy. They kept asking about beliefs and wanting me to really join them, even have a baptism and renounce my old faith. It started to become overwhelming, and I wasn't really sure what I should do. There was another guy, who I spoke to within the sermons who had a similar outlook as me. He wasn't entirely sure if he bought into it, but he liked going along and having fun with his family. But he was conflicted, in the same way I was. They were being very pushy, and they were very subtle in the way that they drew you in, so much so that you'd hardly notice it if you kept on going. The fun really was one of their biggest tools. It was on the Saturday night of the campout in the woods that they gathered everyone together and started baptising people in the lake. Now, everyone was asked to wear these white robes and they started baptising us, telling us that we were going to renounce our old faith in order to have this one. But it wasn't even like something you could select. You were there and expected to do it with no prompting or anything. I wish I would have said no, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but then I was feeling weak, and like a sheep, just followed on and did what I was told. They put my whole body under water, 
said something while I was under, pulled me out, and I was allegedly a new man. Not that I believed it, but even so. Now that I was baptised though, it started to get more intense. The pressure to come more regularly was tenfold. The fun had completely stopped. They asked me to commit to knocking on people's doors, telling people about the faith. Luckily for me, I was starting college in a new city shortly after, and quickly cut ties with everyone I knew from there, and deleted all of them from Facebook, and was done with it. They pestered my phone a few times, but I think that they got the message that I had no interest, and left me the hell alone. I know it isn't as bad as many of the other cult encounter stories on this Reddit thread, but in all honesty, the way that they use fun to entice young people to go, the way they baptise you, and then slowly add more pressure, is something that is very hard and subtle, and not easy to notice, which certainly was my case. I'm glad I got out of there though, the way events aligned to make a quick and easy getaway. I sometimes wonder about the friend that I had there who I had conversations with. If he ever found his faith, if he managed to get out, or if he still goes to that weird, creepy cult. Who knows? If you're out there, buddy, I hope you made it. Hey guys, it's Mort here, and thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's cult stories as Halloween draws near. Just as a reminder, don't forget to drop a like, leave a comment, and do all the good stuff. And if you've got a story, share it with me to my Reddit page or my email. All the information can be found in the description. As always, huge thank you to all my amazing patrons. You really mean the world to me and seriously help me keep this channel going. If you'd like to join, have your name in the credits as well as loads of cool and interesting perks, then feel free to check it out. Link in the description at the top. But anyway, for now, guys, I'm going to sign off. Stay awesome and I'll see you the next one.